0: Welcome to Chapter 23 of the Kinsman Die Podcast, home of fantasy fiction based on Norse mythology that's written and read by me, Matt Bishop. In this podcast, I read my first novel, Kinsman Die, one chapter at a time. Every ten chapters or so, I recap the key plot points and provide some insight into the myths I've referenced in the book, as well as some of the creative choices I've made along the way. Before we roll into Chapter 23, in which we're back with Frigg, here's a quick summary of what's gone before. The Jotun attacked the town of Halls, which is west of Gladsheim. Vidar was on hand to deal with the trouble, and then proceeded to get himself into deeper trouble. Baldr, the son of Frigg and Odin, is having terrible dreams which render him corpse-like come morning. Frigg summoned her husband Odin back from his wanderings to figure out what was going on. And Frigg's visions of the future have returned. She doesn't like what she sees. No sooner was Odin back in Gladsheim, then he rode out again to help his son Vidar repel the Jotun attack. Or so he thought. When he arrived, he ended up having to save Vidar from the spirit, the Disir, which had possessed him. Odin's son, is serving drinks in a pub and talking to merchants. It's not clear what's going on there, but I promise clarity will gallop in. Vafthrudnir, high shaman of the Jotun, met with the Skrymir, high chief of the Jotun, and his childhood friend. They have a nefarious plot concocted which involves Loki and stealing supplies from the Osir. Finally, we met Loki, his second wife Sigyn, and their two sons, Vali and Narfi. We don't know what they're up to, but it does not involve fiery hot magma or, sadly, sharks with frickin' lasers. And on that note, we now join Frigg, the all-mother of Gladsheim. Let's do this chapter twenty three Frigg this morning it was a divorce, one that had turned nasty as they too often did, at least in her experience after presiding over dozens and so Frigg sat in the lower hall, Nana Baldur's wife, beside her, listening to the wide-eyed, disheveled man gesticulating in front of her chair. He was big, heavy in the shoulders, and with the weather-beaten look of those who spent their days and nights outside. She'd asked him to tell his story. How he'd come to beat his wife so badly. The man, Harold, looked more shocked than anything else, saying how he couldn't have, he wouldn't have. He'd known his wife, Bera, had wanted a divorce because he was gone all the time, he was a drover, and because he'd struck her once, in public. Yes, he sometimes drank too much, but he loved her, he did. He thought they were working it out, that everything was getting better but he'd returned the prior night to learn she'd gone ahead with the divorce after all. I'd stopped by the hall before coming home, Allmother. I had a few cups with friends and then come home to find her packing. I knew what she was doing, and something broke inside me, but to beat her? By agger, Allmother, I wouldn't have. A likely story. It made more sense that he'd returned home, realized that this barrow was leaving him, and then taken his rage out on her. Frigg regarded Harold's wife, She was blonde, slight, pale-skinned, but not washed out like the pregnant woman standing protectively on her left. They looked similar enough to be sisters, and beside the pregnant woman stood a tall man, lean and dark of hair and beard, and beside him was an older couple, jaws slack and eyes glazed as if they couldn't believe this was happening to their daughter. Bera herself stood silently, one arm in a sling. She had a huge bruise purpling one cheek and swollen, split lips. Judging by her smoldering dark eyes and white-knuckled, clenched fists, she would fight back the next time. Not that there would be a next time. It was clear to Frigg that, as far as Bera was concerned, this divorce was final. She raised a hand and indicated Bera to Harold. How do you explain her face and her arm, then? His dark eyes, wide and wild, Harold glanced at his former wife and stepped toward her, hands outstretched. Beside her, Nana flinched back in her chair. Frigg frowned slightly. It didn't look threatening to her. But before she could lift a finger, Rota had slid forward, lean, tattooed, arms corded with muscle unfolded from behind the bear sark's back. The drover's advance faltered. Frigg raised a hand. The gesture quieted the low rumble of the witnesses. Answer me, Harold. Harold faltered, eyes flitting from Frigg to the Bearsark, and back again. He shrugged. I can't explain it all, mother. As she thought, she beckoned to the wife. Vera, please approach. Before us all, I'll give your reasons for wanting this divorce. Yes, all mother, Vera said in a voice like fresh honey. She took three steps forward, turned toward the crowd of witnesses, and spoke. Harold and I were married for three winters. It would have been four this midwinter. He's always been jealous, angry when I spoke with men of any age at the market or in the trade shops. Just buying simple things and smiling in thanks would earn me a slap if he saw it. And he'd slapped plenty before, but always in private and never where the bruises would show. Frigg couldn't tell if the mutterings from the crowd expressed agreement or outrage. Violence between spouses or among family members was uncommon, but it happened, particularly in the winter months when there was less to occupy folk. Just before he left on his last run south, Berra continued, I met a childhood friend in the lower market who'd just returned from service in the army. Harold saw it and, later, accused me of having an affair with him. I denied it and explained what had happened. It didn't matter, he still beat me, this time in public. Many others saw him do it. Now the crowd's murmur sounded more like agreement, so perhaps others had truly seen it. Frick glanced at Harold, but he just stood there, head hanging, eyes squeezed shut. No one stood beside him. Was this shame, then? Acceptance? Or was he just acting like a man who'd never grow so angry that he'd beat his wife where others could see? And if he ever did, by some wicked cut of the Norn's chisels, then maybe this is what his shame would look like. Agar knew she'd seen enough of these divorces to know when a man was lying. But Harold seemed genuine. If this was an act, then he was as good as Loki. I told him I would divorce him. He just laughed and said I didn't dare. But I do dare. She advanced on Harold, her good hand raised to strike him. Frigg motioned with her chin, and Rota unhurriedly caught Bera by the wrist and around the waist. The woman struggled, but Rota lifted her off the ground and set her back down like she might an unruly child. Low laughter came from the crowd, along with calls of, "'That's right! Get him, girl!' Rota swept her eyes across the crowd, cutting the din by unspoken threat." Bera's chest heaved and her cheeks were red. Her pregnant sister stood close, rubbing her back and whispering in her ear. Frigg happened to catch the sister's gaze, and she suppressed a shudder at the black look in those pale eyes. A hard woman, it seemed, though the parents, frail, white-haired, clung to each other and seemed more befuddled than anything else. Only the sister's husband appeared wholly present, and even he chewed on his lower lip while the fingers of one hand fidgeted at his belt. "'So that's why I want this divorce, why I declare myself divorced from Harold,' Bera shouted, her voice cutting through the crowd's dull noise. Frigg sat forward in her seat. "'And your divorce is witnessed, Bera. You've already announced it before friends and family at your home?' "'Yes, Hallmother,' Bera said with a quick nod. Frigg turned to the husband, keeping her tone neutral. "'And what do you contest about this, Harold? Every woman has the right, particularly under these circumstances, to demand a divorce.' Voice husky he met her gaze. Nothing all mother. Though I still say I couldn't have beaten her. I've struck her, yes, to my shame. But not this. He'd admitted to being a drunkard and too free with his fists. If he was honest in that, then why lie now? From the humiliation of being caught out? Barrow was quite certain that the marriage had been unhappy, and she'd clearly been beaten. Her sister and her husband witnessed you attacking her, Harold. They stopped you from doing worse. His shoulders slumped and he shrugged again, looking down at his feet. I know, all mother. I, I don't understand. I have no memory of it, no memory at all, until I came to myself, shackled and under guard. Frigg glanced at Nana, taking in the younger woman's sad expression. She had much to learn before she could preside in the hall like this. Perhaps it was the amount of beer you drank that clouds your memory, Harold. He shrugged again. I, I didn't think I'd had that much, all mother. Were it not witnessed... Both last night's beating and the public one you gave Bera weeks ago, I'd investigate further. But you understand the position you're in, yes? Harold nodded, met her gaze for one more miserable moment, then looked down again. I do, all, oh, mother. I, I can't deny any of it. Not my jealousy, nor striking my wife. Former wife, now. I just don't remember doing it last night. He shrugged again. I'll accept whatever judgment you set. Despite herself, Frigg felt sorry for him. He still wasn't acting like the wife-beaters she'd judged before. No anger at being shamed here, no arrogance, no hostility toward her. Just apparently honest confusion, guilt, and, seemingly, regret. Were it not for the severity of the beating, the history of it, and the unanimity of those speaking against him, she'd be inclined to leniency. She looked at Bera. You've demanded most of his property. That's more than either custom or law requires of him. It's more, even, than the dowry your parents gave. Why do you ask for so much? Bera lifted her broken arm and then gestured toward her other injuries. For these, and for the shame. And he feels no shame, Frigg said, gesturing with her chin toward Harold. It will be a long time before he's able to find another wife, if ever. No doubt there are a dozen in this hall who'll seek your hand, fierce as you've proven it. You won't be alone long. That earned a muted chuckle from the crowd. Over too many winters of sitting in public judgment over divorces and crimes, she had discovered that if she could sway the crowd, she could often pressure either party into accepting the fairness of her decision. She doubted that would be the case this time. Alone, this woman might be swayed into accepting a judgment less severe than what she demanded, but with a black glint in her sister's pale blue eyes and her dogged whispers, it seemed unlikely. Even so, awarding her most of what her former husband had would be too much, and, unwarranted even by his actions, such a harsh judgment might drive the man to banditry. Bera spoke again, but Frigg detected a waver in her voice, despite the whisperings of her witch of a sister. With respect, All-Mother, my sister and I will settle for half, but no less. Frigg frowned and leaned back in her seat. My sister and I? Nana's face plainly showed her concentration as if she were bent over her jewelry, fashioning some intricate design. It didn't help that nearly everyone present had been babies, children at least, when Odin had left Gladsheim. None of them had even been born when she'd ridden into Gladsheim as his bride. She had seen and pronounced more judgments than anyone here. She knew fairness from naked greed. Frigg stood, making every line of her body and face radiate disapproval. She knew the trick of becoming the All-Mother, rather than simply being the woman in the chair. Harold dared a glance, saw her face, and flinched away, clearly expecting the worst. Bera seemed to wilt, but, curiously, the pregnant sister didn't flinch. She stood straight, a touch of hatred in her eyes. I am the All-Mother Frigg, and I rule in Gladsheim. Hear my judgment. Bera will receive one-third of Karl Harold's property. Fourteen silver total, as assessed by my stewards. She will also receive all possessions she can reasonably claim as her own, and the house which they shared. This is consistent with long custom. If any here disagree, speak now. Her tone made it clear that no one had better say anything. And if her tone didn't drive the point home, then maybe Rota, with her arms again crossed over her chest, blue tattoos evident, did. No one spoke as Frigg ran her gaze over the crowd. Beryl looked relieved. Her sister looked as baleful as before. Harold was still broken, as well he might be. Her judgment had been severe, but not so much that he turned to thievery to meet his debt. Very well. Since none have spoken, my judgment is final. Thank you all for bearing witness. She remained standing until the folk began shuffling toward the doors at the hall's opposite end. She sat and beckoned Harold closer. Are you able to settle the fourteen silver now? No, all mother. I have two silver to my name. All the rest is invested in my business. And your trade earns what each month? She asked, turning toward Gunnar. Five silver, Gunnar answered at once. Yes, <clears throat> about that, all mother. Harold said without hesitation. I clear about two silver, all mother. Maybe more if the drive's done sooner. Frigg glanced at Ganahl, who'd only now stepped forward from her place off to one side of the platform. She nodded once, confirming the numbers. Frigg tapped her fingers on the arm of the chair. All right, here's my decision. You have two choices. Gladsheim's coffers will pay the sum in full today to Barrow. Harold, you will then repay Gladsheim at the rate of one silver, three copper, until the entirety is repaid." Or you will pay that same amount, one silver, three copper, directly to Bera until the entire judgment is made good. My stewards will keep track. Harold spoke first, without even a glance at Bera. All mother, if it's all the same to you, and to my former wife, I'd prefer her to receive the entire payment now. I'll work hard to repay Gladsheim as swiftly as possible. Well said, Harold, Frigg said. I assume you have no objections, Bera? Bera shook her head. The look in her pregnant sister's eyes was still wicked. Why such malice? Frigg had never seen the woman before, nor would the coming judgment affect her, except perhaps by reducing whatever amount of silver she could ultimately win from her sister. Maybe that was enough. Very well. Speak with Gunnar. She will disperse the funds. Harold, please step aside and wait. After your former wife has finished, Gunnar will instruct you where to go each month to repay your debt to Gladsheim. And while you do that, poor Harold, I will sit here and, alone, dig deep to pay the price that Odin left me with. Well, folks, that was Chapter 23 of Kinsman Die. I hope you enjoyed it. We were back with Frigg as she sat in judgment over a divorce. That's probably not what you expected to hear about in a fantasy novel, but it will all come together. Please take a few moments and rate or review the podcast. That provides valuable feedback for me and helps boost the show's visibility, as does sharing it. And if you're so inclined, shoot me an email at mattbishopwrites at gmail.com. I'd love to hear from you. And as always, I'm going to read from the Havamal, Sayings of the High One, Odin. I'm reading from both the Bellows and the Larrington translations. This verse happens to be one of my favorites. It's just good advice about the value of worrying. Bellows, verse 23. The witless man is awake all night, thinking of many things. Careworn he is when the morning comes, and his woe is just as it was. Larrington, verse 23. The stupid man stays awake all night and worries about everything. He's tired out when the morning comes, and all's just as bad as it was. Thanks for listening.